0: Welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we hope you join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We are located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After the message, take a moment and visit our website at vcctulare.com. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. you'll open up. We'll be in John 13. We're actually going to finish up uh, chapter 13 today. There's only a couple of verses, so we'll probably finish it. But as we've been studying the the life of John and just what he means so much to the Lord and and all that's been going on, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about how John has been with the disciples and Jesus has... uh, at what we call the Last Supper, because you know it's named that after a famous uh, painting that was done, and they call it the Last Supper. But literally, he's spending some final hours, some final time with the disciples at this point, and he spent a lot of time with them. And he washed their feet. Took probably about an hour to do that, and he ate the meal with them. And and back then, at that time, you would never rush through a meal. I mean, today it seems like we, you know we we got to. For those that have blackberries, you've got to have them out during the meal, you know, um, to, to like eat and run. And back then that would be considered totally rude to eat quickly and, and to take off. And disciples, you know, probably picked up on his heavy heart at this point. That is as uh, Jesus is teaching them about serving and and loving uh, each other, uh, you know, one of the things that I learn is, and the Lord does this to me all the time, and I'm like, why do you have to do this to me, Lord? But when I teach certain things, the Lord's like, okay, now and put it into practice. But but why do I have to put it in practice? I'm supposed to be teaching everybody else. They need to put it in a-. And the Lord's like, no, 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 no. You need to put it into practice also. And man, that, that can be hard sometimes. And this is one reason why I like to teach verse by verse and through the book. Today we're going to kind of follow Peter throughout the rest of the the Gospels. So we're kind of going to go a little topical today, but usually I go verse by verse because if it was up to me, I would just pick topics that were easy to teach, topics that were easy to, to learn, and topics that were easy to do. But the Lord chooses those topics for us as we go through it verse by verse. Well, these guys they didn't know what was about to happen. I mean, we know that Jesus is, is headed toward crucifixion. They they really didn't have an idea until Jesus literally uh, w- was dead, and then he raised from the dead. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But there there is more here that they just don't understand. That they just do not understand. Jesus had spoken to them and said, "Someone in this room is going to betray me," and they all looked at each other and they kind of worry, you know, with that worried expression, "Is it me?" am i the one that's going to do this and jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave a piece to judas now judas leaves and he leaves pretty quickly and the other disciples don't even realize that what, you know what christ was saying that that judas would be the one to betray him and now jesus says to them listen guys i'm only going to be with you for a little while longer and they probably think okay he's going on a little vacation a little you know r and r and you know a little trip maybe but he also says, where I'm going, you cannot come. Well, as we know from Simon Peter, he just can't stand that. And that's where we're going to pick up today in verse 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And why can't I come? That's in there. He didn't say it, but the thought is there. Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot, come, you cannot follow now. But you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Lord, come on, you, you need to rethink this thing, man. I will go wherever you go. Why can't I come? And you know, the, the question of, don't you know that I love you, Lord, is right there in the middle of that question. I have always been there for you, Lord. Even when you, you didn't take the other disciples along, you took me. Okay, okay, yeah, Peter, I mean, I mean, James and John, they always came along, but, but it was really about me being with you, Lord, wasn't it? Why now? Why can't I go this time? And we know where Jesus was going, but, but he did not. Jesus was going to the cross. Peter's saying, Lord, I would take a bullet for you, to put it in today's terms. And Jesus is like, would you really? Verse 38 says, then, uh, then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Of course I would, Lord. What? what are, are you trying to embarrass me in front of the guys? Why are you bringing this up? Why are you asking me these questions? Will you really lay, lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Ouch. This is not a nice thing to say to a friend, is it? Peter, I'm gonna say something to you. You love me. I know that you love me, Peter. You talk constantly. You you know, Peter is a talker. Do you ever have anybody in your life you just can't get a word in edgewise? We all have a friend like that. Maybe it's you, maybe it's me, you know. The Lord is saying, Peter, I know you, but Peter's going, Lord, how can you say this? You're saying, because the sun just set that within 12 or within 10 hours from now uh, from now before the sun rises lord it just sounded like that in the next 10 hours i'm going to deny you not once not twice i'm going to deny you three times now this story is actually in all four gospels which i'm pretty sure that peter's really happy about Matthew and Mark, uh, and we're going to turn to Matthew twenty-six thirty-one. This is how Peter said it. Matthew was there, Mark wasn't. So I'm going to pick up in Matthew twenty-six thirty-one. It says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. You see, Matthew was so good. He didn't say, which I probably would have. Yep, it was Peter. Peter said I mean the Lord said that it was going to be Peter. No, what does he say? He goes, "The flock, this is all of us. We're all going to do this." He really personalizes the whole thing right here. Matthew is really good about that kind of guilt thing, you know, kind of going, you know, this is on all of us. We'll all fall away on account of me, for it is written, "I will strike the shepherd and the sheep and the flock, sheep of the flock will be scattered." Peter replied, "Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will lord i love you too much i would never 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 fail you lord you must be talking about these other guys you're not talking about me verse 34 says i tell you the truth this very night before the rooster crows you will disown me three times so what does peter do he keeps talking lord you're you're completely wrong have you ever done that the Lord tells you, clearly tells you, maybe it's through somebody else, maybe it's through a mentor, maybe it's through, you know, a friend that, that, that's a little more mature than you and sitting there going, you know, comes to you and says, the Lord is saying this and, and you just fight back, you're just fighting with the Lord. That's what Peter does here. But Peter declared in verse 35, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. Now in Luke 22, the Lord replies, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, uh, you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. What if the Lord said to you, what if Jesus looked you right in the eye and said, Ricardo, Satan has asked for you? Or Donna... Satan has asked for you to sift you as wheat. Now, you put your name in there, it gets really personal, doesn't it? Look at this. He says, Simon, Simon, hey, hey, Simon, quit talking for a minute. Shh, listen to me. Satan has asked for you. There's strategy in play here. This isn't about how much you love me. There's a strategy, you know, in play here, bud. It is more than about how much you love me. Something more than, you know, it's more than about your strength. Something more than just about your ability. Something more than you're the rock, Simon. You're strong. You're macho. I mean, he's a a fisherman. He had strong beliefs. He didn't hold back. When he had something to say, he said it. This isn't about you walking with me for three years. Simon, you don't get it. Be quiet. I'm telling you something here. Satan is at work. Did you even see Judas leave? There are things happening that you don't understand. There's a diabolical scheme about about this whole thing. Peter's like, well, what does this have to do with me, Lord? I'm just saying that, that I'll follow you, I love you, and I'll follow you. And the Lord's like, this has everything to do with you. Because you love me, it has everything to do with you. I have an enemy. And before you were even following me, before you were following me, that enemy was totally leaving you alone. He didn't care about you because you weren't following. But as soon as you started following you, I have to warn you, Satan has asked for you. And he wants to sift you as wheat. Now the word that, that that you know Christ uses here for you know for, for sifting is a is a first century word of it's like a winnowing fork. And harvesting in the first century, they would take all the wheat and all the chaff and the stems and all that, and they would go up to a high place, and we we call that the threshing floor. Usually it's a a big white, you know, on top where wind would come up, and it would be a solid rock piece, and they would take the winnowing fork, you know, much like what we call a pitchfork, and they would grab the wheat stuff, and they would toss it up in the air. And as the wind came through, it would blow away the non-heavy stuff, all the chaff, all the stems. But the wheat would fall back down. He's ready to, to, to sift you. So now Jesus is saying, Satan has asked for you. And he, what, he wants you to, well, what he wants to do is take you and throw you up in the air and see if you're going to be blown away or not. You know, I bet you when Peter got to heaven, the first person he went to look for to talk to was Job. Job, his whole life, a lot of his life, dealt with the Lord and Satan winnowing him. Peter it's just this one night 10 hours there's a sifting that is going to happen and Peter he won't listen see the reality of this is Peter could have taken the lord's uh, you know the lord's warning to heart for the next 10 hours he could have watched and, and prayed and and really sought god you know to be alert and to not fail but instead what is he doing he's arguing with the lord The one thing that I do know is it doesn't stop the enemy one bit if you believe in the enemy or not. And from time to time, the Lord comes to us and he warns us, Hey, pal, this this is not the laying down in green pastures time. This is the walking through the valley of the shadow of death. This is a sifting time. How many of you feel like you're going through a sifting time today? How many of you have ever said the words... This has got to be either the Lord, or this is the devil, or this is the enemy. It's one or the other. See, the Lord says that you're going to go through this thing, and and I prayed for you. Now, that's a comforting thought, isn't it? Jesus prays for you. Just in the the book of John, what has he done? He's calmed the sea. He's calmed the, the storm. He had that prayer. The feeding of the 5,000 prayer, the the raising of Jairus' daughter prayer, the the raising of Lazarus prayer, the casting of demons prayer, the water into wine prayer. So, Lord, what are you telling me? Are you telling me that since you are praying for me, that I won't fail, right? Because you're praying for me, I won't won't fall down. Is this what you're saying, right? No, you're still going to fail me, the Lord says. Lord, I I just don't understand this about you sometimes. If you can see in the future, and you know that I'm going to fail, why don't you just stop me? Wouldn't it be easy just to stop me? Lock me away for 10 hours where I can't do damage to, to others or damage to your kingdom? Come on, Lord, don't give me this wimpy little prayer. I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Help me out here, Lord. He's saying... Peter, Peter, I love the fact that you love me. And I believe that you love me. But this goes far beyond what your own strength, what your own ability will accomplish. And tonight, unfortunately, you will have to learn the hard way. Because you won't hush. Because you haven't fully learned how to give your life over to me and really follow me and depend on me. You're not full of the Holy Spirit yet. I'm going to give that to you. This is what the Lord says to him. I'm telling you, so when this does happen, you will know that I love you and I've prayed for you. I've prayed that your faith may not fail. And when, not if, you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Well, what I really want to do is follow this thing through with Peter. As I said earlier, we usually go verse by verse, but I think it's important for us to kind of see this pattern of, of what Peter's doing and where he's going. So let's look at the response and the ingredients to Peter's failure, because I think we've seen one right here. And if you're taking notes, Peter's failure started right here. It did not start in the priest's quarter and where, where he's going to start denying Christ. His failure started right here when he argued with the Lord. This is number one. He argued with the Lord, and it was, I... I, 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 I. It was all about I. I will die for you. I, I won't fail. These guys will, but I won't. Lord, I promise. I am the the, the man. That, you know, I'm man enough not to fail you. I will die for you, Lord. I promise. Especially since you told me for the next 10 hours, there's no way that I'm going to do that. Lord, you gave me the name The Rock, and and I'm going to live up to that. I'm going to show, you know, how good a Christian can be. Bring it on. I mean, bring it on. I will stomp down Satan. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty strong here, Lord. They're not going to write down and and study about me 2,000 years later that, that I failed. No, not me. I will go with you. I will die for you. You know, people always say it's best to learn from somebody else's mistakes. The problem is, is when you're that somebody else. In Mark 14, in verse 32, it says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to the disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to uh, be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Now, remember, you—if you, you, you've studied this and you, you've been here the last few weeks—they've never heard Jesus talk so much about his last days, about what was going to happen until now. And he just says, "Sit here. All I want you guys to do is to watch." Going a little further in verse thirty-five, going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed. And we'll come back to the rest of this. But in 37, it says, Then he he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Buddy, you're not all spirit. I'm telling you what, you know, the vinegar that is in you alone. You believe in yourself. You believe in your cause. You believe that I am the Messiah. You believe that I am the Son of God. You are the man, aren't you? Yes, I am, Lord. But let me wake up a minute here, Lord. What's that on your face? Is is that a little blood? You, you need some rest, Lord. Why don't you take a nap? That's what we're doing. See, pride always comes before the fall. But I don't think really he was being prideful here. He's just really being unaware. Unaware of what, what's going on with the Lord. Unaware of his surroundings. The Lord has told him to wake up. If the Lord said in the next 10 hours, you're going to betray me, would you be taking a nap? Maybe if I just sleep off these 10 hours. Then I can't fail him. You know, some of us are, are like this. Stress is, you know, hits us and we automatically just go into that cave. I'll just avoid it. If I can just avoid it, then it won't happen, right? Right? Life can just keep going. I'm just going to protect myself. See Peter's both. he protects himself, but he also lashes out, and we'll see this later, but you know but remember, there's more in play here than just Peter and his love for the Lord. The sifting has already began. Satan has asked for him. Have you ever felt unsettled and then had people pray in and, and that that unsettledness that it just lifts away and you're kind of like. What was that that is Satan trying to sift you? So you have to ask yourself, do you believe the enemy has a strategy? Or do you even realize that there is an enemy? You've said, I'm friends with Jesus. You've said, I believe in the cross. You've said, because I'm, friends, you know, because I'm friends with Jesus, I'm going to go to heaven. Do you think the enemy is just going to go, oh, shoot. We lost another one. See, the strategy is already in effect. And Simon Peter really has no clue here. In Mark fourteen forty three, Judas shows up, you know, with a mob and comes to Jesus. Rabbi, Rabbi. And he, he kisses him on the cheek. You know, he's just being a big phony at this point. And, and what does Peter do? He, you know, it says in verse 46, the man seized Jesus and arrested him. The one who was standing nearer drew his sword and struck the servant of the Most High, cutting off his ear. You see, now Now Peter is going to prove to the Lord what he said to him at dinner. I'm going to die for you. So who does he attack? The servant boy. Probably the really, you know, scrawny one that was just, you know, going along just to make sure that the soldiers really were going to arrest Jesus and they were going to report back to the Sanhedrin. And this crazy guy just comes from around the corner. Run! Probably aiming for the head. Just missed. Jesus is like, thanks for the help, man bends down, picks up the ear, dusts it off, puts his hand back up there, and miraculously it's just put on, put back on. The soldiers are, are obviously confused. So all the guys, just... Everybody just takes off. Well, now let's jump back to John 18, 15. It says, Simon Peter and the, another disciple were following Jesus. I mean, to, the, to his credit... Simon didn't take off too far. He at least followed along, where everybody else just kind of went away. You know, Simon and, and Peter, or, I mean, Simon and John are, are following the mob, really on the edge of darkness, because, you know, we have street lamps. We can, you know, we're, we're sort of, and until you get out into the country, you're, you're not really into the darkness, especially in the middle of the city. Well, back then, they didn't have a lot of street lamps out. So you can really follow on the edge of darkness. It says here, because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. Come on in, Peter. I I got you in. Come on. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. And Peter doesn't even think. It's just a, a quick response. No big deal here. It is okay to lie here. It's like an automatic thing. The enemy, of course, would not attack through a small servant girl in a door. This is no no way that this, you know, the, totally backdoored him. This isn't fair. The girl goes, aren't you? And his reply is what? I'm not. And the way the scriptures are written, it seems like... Simon doesn't even realize what he's done. It happens so fast. And this is where we can really start personalizing it. Because when I look back at my greatest failures in life, I realize that a lot of those things were already in play before I even got to that point where I made a decision. Those things are already in play. And all of a sudden, it's just right there and we don't even realize it. John 18.25, it says, as Simon Peter stood warming himself. And this is why we, we realize that he doesn't even know that he's blown it, because he is still there. You're not one of the disciples, are you? Now he's kind of feeling ganged up on. The girl at the door, and now he's warming himself around a fire pit, and they're like, well, you're not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. Now, one of the other gospel writers says that he, he started to curse, and we don't mean you know the four-letter words that we think of as cuss words. But he started to curse to prove that, you know, that he was not. The curse went like this. God, judge me ever so severely if I am lying to you. And basically saying, God, strike me dead if I'm lying to you. This is one of those condemning curses that he puts out. No, I am not. This is strike two. Verse 26, it says, One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, and I'm sure that story went around really quick, Challenged him. This is not good. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? And Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Luke says that in the middle of the third denial, uh, denial, the rooster crowed. Right in the middle of it. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I could imagine him going, "Was was that three? Oh, man that was three a servant girl and now right here twice man I mean then the Lord looked at Peter I wonder what that look was was it a look of surprise I don't think so was it a look of condemnation no was it the you know how about you know, Julius Caesar when he you know, got his knife in the back from his friends was it that look I don't know but what strikes me is this. Some of us, when we betray the Lord, it will take years before we'll look the Lord in the eyes again. It will take years before that. We're so disappointed in ourselves. We're like, I can't believe it. And I walked with the Lord all those years. I made public promises. I, you know, I was up in front of everyone. I built my own pedestal. I climbed that pedestal and I dove off head first. I have no one to, but to blame but myself. Except for maybe that girl at that door. She started all this. I mean, this whole courtyard is, you know, it was all dysfunctional. The, the scriptures say that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let me ask you a question. What is Peter tempted to do right now? What is going through his his head? He is so disappointed in himself. He has failed the Lord. He can't believe it. He didn't see it even, you know, coming. We're like, hello, Peter. You didn't see it coming. Jesus told you it was coming. How can we sit through a study like this and think that we won't fail the Lord? See, Peter didn't have to fail the Lord, but he did. We don't have to, to fail the Lord either, but We will. And we can't get fatalistic about it. Oh, well, I I guess I'm going to fail anyway, so I guess it's no big deal. So, Lord, uh, you know, you'll just have to get used to it. No, uh uh-uh. No way. Why? Because the Lord has warned us. You know, if you didn't want him to try to, or, or not to work on this, he wouldn't have warned them. We don't have to fail like this because we can depend on the Lord more. They had the scriptures, they had the Old Testament scriptures, they had Proverbs three where it says, Trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to the bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. See, Peter chose himself and not the Lord. Trust in yourself. Lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Do your best. And you will probably not let the Lord down because you've walked with him for so long. That's what Peter did. Now, aren't you glad the story doesn't end right there? Unfortunately, for so many people, it does. They've served the Lord for a long time. They're really involved. Something happens, either something they did or something somebody else does. And they go away from the Lord, and they never come back. They never come back in a, to fellowship. They never come back and reconnect. They try to do it on their own, and, and maybe they do you know, connect back with the Lord, but they never have that community support again. And what a shame that is. Because they're so embarrassed about what they did. And we can think, what a shame. And it is. But we also need to realize that this reflects back upon the church. This reflects back upon us. The church has got to be a place where it lets somebody rejoin. You know, after Peter has this kind of failure, no matter who that Peter is, you know, Peter was one of the inside track guys. He's not one of the disciples that you can't even remember his name. You know, you're sitting there going, okay, I know there was 12 disciples... Who was number five? I don't remember. I mean, he was one that you're really going to remember. This is Peter. Well, we have to realize the other disciples were in on it too. They weren't publicly denying him, but they were, you know, in a sense, hiding under the mattresses. Later on, the disciples are are together, and Christ is, is raised from the dead, and it's such an exciting story, and Jesus meets with them several times, but Peter finally decides, you know what, guys? Let's just go out fishing. So he's out fishing, and, and time-wise, I don't really want to go to John 21, but you can read it on your own. But, you know, Peter says, I'm going to go fishing, so they all go fishing. And, and Jesus is on the bank, and he, he's making breakfast for the guys, and they don't even really know it's him. And, and you know, and Jesus hollers out to them, Hey, guys, have you caught anything? And they're not having a good day. On my trips to Canada fishing with my family and my dad and my uncle, On those days when you're not catching fish, you don't want somebody asking how many fish you're catching. And it's so much fun when you are catching the fish to ask them, hey, have you caught anything yet? That's what's going on here. He's going, hey, have you caught anything yet? And they're like, no. Well, throw your net on the other side. Oh, like, that's going to do any good. I mean, you know, in Canada, one day, I'm not joking, I found the sweet spot. I even left, and the other guys came in and tried to find that spot, and they couldn't, and then I came back, and I parked it right there and started catching fish again. He's going, throw the net on the other side. Let me tell you where the fish are. And Peter remembers that once before this happened. And what does he do? He instantly turns around. He knows it's the Lord. And he jumps out of the boat. And he goes to shore. So everyone is back on shore and they're eating breakfast. And man, it feels like old times. It feels so good. They're back with the Lord. They're hanging out together. They're having a meal. And the Lord says, hey, Peter. Peter. I need to talk to you about something. Oh, okay, Lord. What would that be? And the Lord just totally rips into him, right? No. See, our response would be, we would be thinking, the Lord would be saying something like, whatever made you think you could be my disciple? Come on, Peter. But the Lord didn't do this. He didn't say, you're rejected and disqualified for ministry from now on. I'm picking somebody else to build my church upon. I'm taking that away. You're no longer called Peter. We're just going to call you Simon. No, the Lord doesn't do that. He doesn't say, you know what? You embarrass me. Aren't you glad we don't have a Lord like this? Aren't you glad we don't have a Lord that says, you've embarrassed me no more? Because we we act like this is how the Lord views us. We think the Lord will forgive others. I know what they did and the Lord can forgive them. But me, I know what I've done. And I don't think the Lord can forgive me. That's how we feel often. See, this, the story about Peter is in here for us. The Lord says, hey, Peter. He's like, yes, Lord. And the other disciples are going, oh, man, here it comes. Peter, do you love me? I'm sure he's thinking, is this a trick question? Come on, Lord, you know that I love you. Okay, then. Feed my sheep. P- Peter's probably thinking, oh good, I'm glad that, th- that was easy, it's over with. Hey Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I- I've already answered. I love you. Okay, then feed my sheep. Then the scriptures say the Lord asked a third time, and it also says that Peter was, was irritated on that third time when the Lord asked. I wonder why he was irritated. Do you understand the layers of healing that the Lord has taken Peter through here? Do you love me, Peter? Remember the servant girl? Do you love me, Peter? Remember in front of the group of the guys? Do you love me, Peter? Remember the curse that you said? Lord, this is about how I I failed you, not about how I love you. No, Peter, this is about how you love me. This is about how I've forgiven you and cleansed you. I know, Lord, but every time I hear a rooster crow, Lord, every morning when I wake up, I hear the rooster crow. All my life, I can imagine him saying this later on, all his life, he would hear that rooster and he would remember this. And we know that he he worked through all this. Why? Just read his books and you'll find out. Peter's whole life became what I did after I failed the Lord. You see, it could have been the same as Judas's life. What did Judas do? He went off and killed himself. What Peter did was just as bad as what Judas did, but his reaction was so different. But instead, it, it showed a transformation of a man who messed up. I mean, who really messed up. I don't know anything worse than literally denying the Lord. Who, me? Follow that man? No, 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 no. Who me? Believe in that man? No, 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 no. Who me? Uh, No, I don't know him. Nothing is worse. But the greatest thing is, Peter loved the Lord. He repented of his denials, and he served him faithfully. This is one of the greatest stories, I think, that is in the Bible about the disciples until you start to understand it almost every one of Jesus' followers did this they denied him in some way and so many of them came back to him and that is our, really our key to our relationship with the Lord when you mess up you need to come back that is what Peter's life is about and when you come back he will ask the question do you love me? and we'll say of course you know I love you Lord and he says okay then feed my sheep do you love me? then take care of my sheep. Take care of one another. You've messed up. Now I've put you back into the sheepfold. Now you're with them again. That is the greatest thing about the Lord. If there's anything that we could, could learn about the Lord, if there's anything that we could ever remember, remember that you can always come back to Him, no matter what you've done in this life. Now, The best thing to do is avoid those things in your life. But we know that we're full of sin. It doesn't give us an excuse to go out and sin. But the best thing is to mature ourselves to the point where we're doing less and less of that. And we recognize it so much quicker. Imagine if Peter would have recognized, I just denied the Lord and came back sooner than what he did. For you today, do you need to come back to the Lord? That's a question only you can answer. Not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not your parents. Only you can answer that question. And if your answer is yes, then go back to the Lord. Talk to me, talk to one of the elders, talk to a mature brother or sister in the Lord, but come back to the Lord because He accepts you, because He loves you. That song that Cass sang at the very end, Oh, how He loves me. Oh, how He loves me. It's a beautiful thing. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for those today out there that are, that are thinking, I just need to get back to the Lord. I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to go, where to turn to. Lord, I pray that you put people in their path that they can turn to. I pray that they'll have enough strength to, to go to somebody and say, you know what, I need to come back to the Lord. Can you help me? And I pray that whoever that person is, that they're willing and able to. We love you so much, Lord. And you ask us, do you love me? And our answer is yes. Knowing that we're going to mess up sometimes, Lord. And the beautiful thing about you is you always take us back. You always accept us. We love you for that, Lord. Now, Lord, I, I pray you protect us out in this world. I pray that you... Protect us from those evil attacks from the enemy. That we recognize when Satan is trying to sift us. That when we are sifted, we stay strong, we rely on you, and we come back to strengthen our brothers and our sisters. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you during those times of sifting. May his face never turn from you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.